Well, as you know, we, we last uh, week we wrapped up a series entitled Passion, Vision, Action. And the subtitle I told you could have been 2021 Becoming More Like Jesus. And this week we're beginning a new series that, that I'm excited about because I believe that through this series, God is going to help us experience breakthroughs in our lives as we look at different events that transpired in the life of Jesus as he was making his way to redeem us at the cross as well as through resurrection from the grave. And so this series is entitled From the Ashes. From the Ashes. And so today we begin this six-week sermon series And what we've discovered in our lives, I'm sure, is that our lives can sometimes feel like they are a disappointing pile of ashes. We can be broken, shattered, and destroyed. However, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that we can experience new life. Our lives, no matter how bad they were before are never irredeemable. Let me say that again. Our lives, no matter how bad they were before we came to Christ, are irredeemable. Said another way, you are not broken beyond repair. You are not broken beyond repair. The psalmist David said it this way, he restores my soul. God is an expert at restoring ruins. God is able through His power that is unlimited to restore what others would say is beyond repair. God has all power. And because of that, again, I can say with confidence, you are not broken beyond repair. In and through Christ, you can rise above the ashes, and experience abundant life. But this isn't just a series for the broken and shattered. This is for anyone who wants to grow in the knowledge and understanding of Christ. Each week in this series, we will look at one aspect of Jesus' life and ministry during His time here on earth and what we can learn from Him. Now, we began with a conversation about temptation. Did you know that immediately preceding the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, he experienced a 40-day period of temptation? He went from the waters of baptism to the wilderness of temptation. In other words, Jesus went from experiencing blessing to undergoing temptation or testing. Jesus went from experiencing blessing to undergoing testing. And what you and I will discover in our journey with the Lord is that that will be repeated in our own lives. After a great time of blessing, there will come a season of testing. Now, we begin today, as I've mentioned, looking into this season of Jesus' life and how we can learn from him and be encouraged by the fortitude that he displayed, that he demonstrated through that time of testing in his life. First and foremost, 
Today we all need to acknowledge that temptation should be expected in our lives. We all experience temptation each and every day. No one is immune from the desires to have things or do things that do not align with the way of Christ. I read about a young driver who was in a hurry to get to an appointment and illegally parked his car. He left this note under the windshield wiper of his automobile. It read, so sorry, but I have circled the block for 20 minutes. I am late for an appointment. And if I don't park here, I'll lose my job. Forgive us our trespasses. When the driver of the car came back, he was shocked when he found a parking ticket on his windshield with the following note. I've circled this block for 20 years as a police officer. If I don't give you a ticket, I will lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> the fact of the matter is temptation comes in many forms and in many ways it can seem innocent enough. For example, sneaking in some social media time at work, binging that extra show on Netflix, shaving a few dollars off of the income for your tax return. In, many, in the eyes of many, these don't seem like huge problems. But the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, reveals that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that destroy the vineyard. Fruitfulness. And believe me when I say that the temptations and desires behind these actions can grow into big problems. This can lead to things that we all would agree are devastating. Broken marriages. Ruined relationships. Careers in the toilet. Ministries closing down. The list goes on and on. It does us no good to pretend that we are immune to temptation. Let me repeat that. It does us no good to pretend like we are immune to temptation or to think that we can handle things on our own. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John. And what he says about walking in the light there in 1 John 1, 8 through 10. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let me challenge us today, CWC Life family and friends, to begin by confessing and acknowledging that we all deal with temptation in our lives and that there are times when we 
follow temptations down paths that are neither Christ honoring nor consistent with our heavenly citizenship. So how do we manage temptation? How do we respond to temptation? How do we model the fortitude and endurance Jesus had? Let's look at three specific areas Jesus was tempted in while in the wilderness. The first area Jesus was tempted in was with regard to provision. The first area that Jesus was tempted in was with regard to provision. Say provision with me. Provision. If you're watching on live stream, type it in the chat. Provision. Provision. This is the first area in which Jesus was tempted in by the devil. We read in Matthew 4, 2 and 3. Matthew 4, 2 and 3. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Can you say, duh? I mean, who wouldn't be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of, being, of not eating? Then it says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the son of God. Now, understanding the original language of the New Testament it's not a question of doubt. In fact, it should read, according to the original language, the Greek of the New Testament, it should read, since you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The devil knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and he's tempting him as the Son of God to turn stones into bread. Now, I have a question. Have you really been hungry at one time? Have you been really, really hungry? Who's been really, really hungry at one time or another? Okay, how many of you would say it wasn't after 40 days, it was after four minutes or four hours, huh? Yeah. Now, there was a time that I was really, really hungry. After the Lord restored me when I was a young man, 17, going on 18, I went to a ministry called the Crusaders for Christ. It was a ministry for young adults for discipleship. It was located at a two-story house that was pretty big in, in Vista, California, out there by San Diego. And it was a time period in which I was going through a time of discipleship, learning how to go out and evangelize, share my faith with others. So I was part of this program. And, 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 and there, during the time that I was there, there was a mandated or mandatory three-day fast that they called us to. The director said, we're going to have a fasting for three days. Now, you got to understand, I was raised in church, but I never fasted. And so I was like, yeah, I guess I got to do it. And they made sure that everything, there was no food in the house there and stuff and all that. They, or they, they locked the closets and all, the fridge was off limits and all that. And let me tell you, by the third day, I thought I was dying. I thought, this is it. Jesus, I, I'm going home. This, I, I just couldn't. I mean, I, if you know me, you know this. I love food. I love food. I, I do. I'm not going to deny it. I love food. And so I was dying. In fact, But the, here's the thing, that even though we were on a three-day fast, not only did we have our regular routine of Bible studies, chapel in the morning, prayer times early morning, then Bible study, but we also in the afternoons, we were required to do what they called in Spanish, tareas, which were chores, 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 tareas, chores. And so my chore, along with my brother that I called my adopted brother, and to this day we were connected, Juan Sedora, we were called to help with the, the house that needed painting. So we, were, we had to be scraping and getting it ready for preparation for painting. And so we're, we get ladders and we're up there. And by the third day, we're on the second floor around the windows and we're scraping them to get ready to be painted. And, and, and the girls were getting the dinner ready that would break the fast up there. And we're, it wasn't officially 
done yet. And so we're there calling out to them, hey, get us something. You know, hook us up right now. But they were spiritual. And they said, no, 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 it's not time to break the fast. I wanted to rebuke them in the name of Jesus and say, do you know who we are? We are future men of God and you should honor not I so I was dying. And so then after we were done with our chores, our tareas, then we had a little time before we would go to dinner. So what I did down the hill from there at the place we were at, there was a McDonald's. So before dinner, I went down the hill after we were done with our chores. I, I, I scampered out. I went down and I went down to McDonald's down there and I got me a Big Mac, large fries and not a Coke. I got me a strawberry milkshake. Because I was dying and I said, Jesus, I need deliverance from this spirit of death right now. So I had my, and I ate it up, but here's what I want to tell you, that if you're really hungry and you've gone through fasting, that's the worst thing you can do, is try to fill up right away. I learned it, my stomach taught me a lesson, as well as the toilet suffered the consequence there. But that was only after three days. I can't even imagine how famished Jesus must have been. After 40 days journey into the wilderness. It's just cruel that Satan would come to challenge him to turn stones into bread. Here's what you and I need to know about temptation. Just like with Jesus, the devil will tempt us to satisfy a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. The devil will tempt us to satisfy a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. That's what temptation is. In Jesus' case, he's the Son of God. He tells us throughout the New Testament that he came to do the will of the Father, not his own will. So the devil was tempting him to act out of the will of the Father, but Jesus wasn't willing to do so. Now, let me ask you honestly, if you had the power to turn stones into cheeseburgers or Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches, how difficult would it have been for you to stay true for 40 days of fasting? (laughs) But aside from the bread and cheeseburgers, what was really going on here? What was the underlying need Satan was trying to manipulate? The need Jesus had that we all share. The need for provision. For provision. It was food in Jesus' case, but it's also finances, clothes, a home to live in, etc. However, in all these things, we must look to the Most High God. The benevolent creator of the cosmos, of the world. And we must trust that He will supply all we need. Jim George, in his book, God's Man of Influence, he talks about trying to sell a used boat trailer in the middle of winter. It was hardly 30 degrees outside and no one was boating. Then a potential buyer contacted George. The buyer was even willing to pay George his asking price. But there was only one catch. The buyer wanted George to put on the bill only half the price of the trailer. That's the way we do it in these parts, the buyer explained. That way, he would have to pay half the state sales tax, which amounted to several hundred dollars. 
George said, my first thought was, I really want to sell the trailer. And if I say no, he might back out and I may not find anyone else who will pay my asking price. If I agree, I'll be lying. Not to mention breaking the law. But who would know? Then George said, I knew what I should do. But still, I was having this inner struggle. He told the buyer he was a Christian and couldn't do anything illegal. The man went ahead and bought the trailer anyway. And George declared the full amount on the bill of sale. But he was prepared to lose the sale to be obedient to God's standards. Let me say to you, the devil will tempt us to take a shortcut. The devil will tempt us to manipulate, to see that our need is met instead of trusting in the Father. But what did Jesus do in light of the temptation by the devil to try to get him to seek provision outside of God's will? It tells us there in Matthew 4, 4, how he responded to this temptation. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What did Jesus do? Jesus responded to the temptation of the devil by telling him, you're tempting me to act outside of God's will, to supply my need, but I'm going to depend on his word. I'm going to depend on the word of the one who is faithful and true. I'm going to believe that his word will sustain me. I'm going to believe that his word will strengthen me. I'm going to believe that his word is going to uphold me. Even in this time in which I find myself hungry, I'm going to feed on his word believing that his word will be the strength and the fortitude that I need to continue to stay within his will. Child of God, let me say to you, when you make up your mind that you are not going to be disobedient to God's will, God is not going to leave you at a disadvantage. He's going to be your strength. He's going to be your help. He's going to uphold you. He's going to maintain you. And here are a few verses from his word that remind us that he will provide. In Philippians 4.19, it reads, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Notice what it doesn't say. And my God will meet some of your needs. No, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Then Jesus stated in Matthew 6.26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then the psalmist David said in Psalm 23, 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's not in the notes, but let me tell you, there's more in God's word of his promise to provide. In the book of Psalm 34, it says that the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Genesis 24, 1 tells us that Abraham was old in age, but God had blessed him in all. 
all things. The Bible tells us over and over again, and it reveals that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. In Hebrews 11:6, it tells us in Genesis 15:1, He says to Abram, I am your exceeding great reward. What are you saying, Pastor? Whatever you lack, God has it in His supply of resources, and you can trust that He is a benevolent Father. You can trust that He is a good shepherd, and as a good shepherd, He takes care of His flock. As a good Heavenly Father, He takes care of His kids. God's got you, child of God. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, there's no way you're going to make it. You're on your own. No, my Father has no throwaway kids. He is faithful to His children. He doesn't walk out on them. He sticks to them. And He supplies their needs. Yes. Let me get back to the teacher mode. Now, class. The second temptation of Jesus seems to be focused on inviting Jesus to test God's protection of His beloved Son. Say protection with me. Put it on the chat. Protection. Protection. So the second temptation had to do with regards or in reference to God's protection of His beloved Son. We read about it there in Matthew chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Here the devil is tempting Jesus to presume on God's promise of protecting him. Irregardless of taking a risk that the father didn't call him to. So the devil is tempting him. Presume on God's protection of you. And jump off. Because he's going to give his angels charge over you. He's promised it in his word. But Jesus, having confidence in the care and concern for his well-being by God, saw no need to do a foolish thing. In fact, Jesus brings up a very important principle that we should not test the Lord. Jesus' response to the devil's temptation here tells us that he knew what the devil, the tempter, was up to. Look how he responds in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. But if we're honest... We often feel tempted to do foolish things simply because we know God is a God of grace and He can pick up the pieces of a bad experience or decision. Yes, we know He will protect. Yes, He can work all things for the good. Yes, He is omnipotent and nothing can derail His will. But listen to me. Sometimes... You simply need to say a strong, if emphatic, no to the voice of temptation in your life. And if you're in a precarious or dangerous situation right now, then give some time to prayer. Call. 
call some trusted counselors and advisors and exercise caution and wisdom through your decision making. Don't assume that if you make the decision, regardless of not seeking the will of God, that it's going to be okay. Because listen, God is not responsible to protect us when we choose to act out of the bounds of His directions that are given in His Word. And if you notice, if you didn't notice, when the devil quoted from Psalm 91, 9 and 10, and said, it's written, He will give His angels charge over you, he forgot to include to keep you in all your ways. What ways? Psalm tells us as well in Psalm 20, 37, 23 to 25, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And though he stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord will uphold him. Listen, the only time God is responsible to protect me is when I'm following his direction. When I'm allowing him to direct my steps. It was the devil here trying to direct Jesus' next move. Throw yourself down off this cliff. But Jesus had not heard from the Father to take that risk. And therefore, he said, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I'm not going to presume that I can just go ahead and leap off this cliff because the Father has not directed me to. Listen to me. There are decisions that we need to put a stop to. There are decisions that we need to put a hold on and say, I'm not going to act till I hear from the Father because I want to be sure that He's directing me because I know only if He directs me am I guaranteed of His protection in my life and so if you're in a situation right now that's a sticky situation you don't know what to do don't act on impulse but pray like the psalmist prayed in Psalm 19 verse 13 he told the Lord keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. I encourage you to pray as well like the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, 133. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. Remember, protection is through maintaining close connection and following God's direction. Let me say it again. Protection is through maintaining close connection and following God's direction. What does the Bible say? Psalm 91.1 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The only way my brother Robert here can be under my shadow is by being close to me. If he goes beyond, he distances himself from me, he will leave my shadow. He will be outside the circumference, the covering of my shadow. 
So when the psalmist says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the then he follows up with all these promises. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the north of Bethlehem. And he says, you don't have to fear the arrow that flies by day, the, the terror at noon. Why? Because when you're close to God, under his shadow, you are guaranteed protection. And also, when you follow his direction, there's no devil in hell that can harm you. Because if he's directing you, that means he's accompanying you and he will be a shield around you. Woo! There's times I want to just... One more. The third area that Satan tempted Jesus in was in relation to position. Say position. Position. You can put it in the chat. Position. So we see Jesus was tempted in these three areas. Provision, protection, and now in the area of position. Position. Look what the Bible says there in verses 8 through 11 of Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 8 through 11 again. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. You shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Notice that the third and final temptation is for Jesus to worship Satan. And in doing so, he would receive dominion over all the kingdoms of the world. It seems like an easy enough choice. But for some, the temptation for position and power is overwhelming. We are often given a choice to worship something other than God in order to get ahead or receive worldly gain. The significance that comes from worshiping an idol of any kind is temporary and temporal. We too, like Jesus, must choose to worship God alone and trust in the significance that can only come through our relationship to Him. What are you saying, Pastor? As a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God, you need to remember that you will inherit an eternal kingdom and it cannot be shaken. As a son and daughter of God, you need to remember this world isn't everything you have to look forward to. And whether or not you get a position here doesn't really matter when in reality you've got a new world, a new heaven that Jesus has made possible for you to have as an inheritance, as his child that will surpass in its glory anything we could experience here. Because we forget this reality, we get distracted by worldly gain. But again, truth be told, the best is yet to come. And your eternal position is greater than any promotion your boss can give. Let me say that again. Your eternal position is greater than any promotion your boss can give. And I've learned in my experience, in my journey with God, promotion in the kingdom of God doesn't come through aiming for 
position, but rather through maintaining the right disposition. We see this in Joseph of the Old Testament. He was sold by his brothers as a slave to Egypt. He ends up in in a home of a man that was wealthy, affluent by the name of Potiphar. And while he's there as Potiphar's slave, what's his disposition? He's there to serve with excellence. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and made him prosper in all he did. But also the beneficiary of Joseph serving with the spirit of excellence was Potiphar. But then came when Potiphar's wife got hot for Joseph and she tempted him and day after day she was tempting him and finally the day came when she sent the servants out and she set it up so that he and her would be alone and then she tried to tempt him to sleep with her but Joseph refused to and he left and then he was falsely accused and he ended up in a prison and what does he do in the prison does he go to the corner of his cell and sulk and pout no you read that he served there in prison with the same disposition that he served in Potiphar's house with the spirit of excellence he gave his best to serve with excellence the prison warden took note and he elevated Joseph and he didn't worry about anything under Joseph's care because Joseph maintained the right disposition regardless of whether or not he had a position and what was the fruit of that is that then the day came when he was elevated to second in command under Pharaoh. He was second in command. God promoted him. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to you, don't try to weasel your way up to a position. That's not the way of the kingdom. Jesus teaches us the greatest among you is going to be the servant of all. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. You don't have to try to curry favor when you know you walk in His favor as you serve Him wholeheartedly as you do your work not as unto men but unto God you don't have to worry about trying to be like everybody else that is trying to weasel their way or curry their way to get promoted listen if you want a promotion that will be lasting and favorable according to God then trust him he is able to elevate you where you he we want you to be Woo! In fact, the scripture tells us in Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7 in the ASB, for neither from the east nor from the west, Psalm 75, 6 and 7, for neither from the east nor from the west nor yet from the south cometh lifteth, lifting up. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and lifteth up another. Then the psalmist said in Psalm 33, but you, you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. The Apostle Paul, I love the way he puts it in the Message Bible in Philippians 4, uh, Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. He says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Someone said the way to the throne room is through the servant hoarders. You want to advance? 
serve somebody else's dream. You want to see God fulfill your dream? Serve somebody else's dream with excellence. That's what Joseph did. Wherever he was at, he helped advance somebody else. And the day came when God advanced him. E. Stanley Jones observed, E. Stanley Jones observed, most people plot and plan themselves into mediocrity while now and again somebody forgets himself into greatness. Oh, that's powerful. As I bring this message to a close, I want you to note with me these important points regarding Jesus' experience with temptation. First of all, Jesus dealt with temptation as a man. Did you remember how Jesus responded to the devil's temptation to turn the stones into bread? He said, man shall not live by bread alone. Why is that significant? In his response, he was telling the devil, you know I'm the son of God. And you know as a son of God, I have divine powers that I have access to. I have divine rights, privileges, prerogatives I have access to. But when you read the Bible, you find out in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus emptied himself. And though he was equal with God, he emptied himself. And he put a divine restraint on his divine powers. And so when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, he was saying to the devil, you want me to exercise my power as a son of God, but I'm not. In dealing with this this temptation season that you're attacking me through, I'm not going to deal with you as a son of God. I'm going to deal with you as a man who's going to rely on the very things that every other child of God after my redemptive work will have at their disposal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome your temptation through the Spirit of God, reliance on the Spirit of God, as well as through reliance on the Word of God. Whew. I'm so glad he said that. That gives me hope. And then secondly, Jesus overcame temptation, utilizing and depending on the same resources available to every child of God. What does the Bible tell us in Luke 4.1? Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is Luke's account of the temptation account we read about in Matthew 4. Jesus went into the temptation experience full of the Spirit. When you read about someone being filled with something, whether it's full of the Spirit or filled with wrath or anger in the Scriptures, to be filled with means to be under the influence of or to be in the control of. Jesus was under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit as he went to face the devil. Here's the good news. Paul tells you and I that you and I too can be under the influence and control of the Spirit. How? In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 to 20. He says in Ephesians 5 18 to 20. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying? You want to be filled with the Spirit? You want to be under His influence? You want to be under His control? Then live a praise life. Live a thanksgiving life. In the book of Psalms 100 verse 4 it says, enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Why? The quickest way to get into the presence of God is through praise and through thanksgiving. I heard somebody testify that their way that they have been overcoming what used to dominate them is through praying, playing worship music. They used to play other kind of music, but now they play worship music and it gets them into the right frame of mind. Why? 
Why? Because when you are in exposed to a spirit of worship and praise and songs that exalt God, you are exposing yourself to the presence of God. And there's something that you need to know about the presence of God. God's presence does more than tickle you. God's presence does more than touch you. It transforms you. It makes you into a new person. It transforms you. It influences you. It brings you under its control. And what happens is... What happens is, in that spirit of praise and worship, you are changed. You are strengthened through His presence and His power. And you're able to then be able to dominate what used to have dominion over your life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.17, Put on salvation as your helmet, and then take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you study the temptation of Jesus there in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, one glaring thing was consistent. Every time the devil tempted Jesus, what was that? Jesus responded with Scripture. Jesus responded with Scripture. The Word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. Now, as we journey... Together, over the next six weeks, I'd like to encourage you to commit daily time in the Word. Because making time in God's Word daily, a daily time in God's Word, it will transform your life. You could read a proverb every day. There's 31 proverbs in the Bible. You can read a proverb for every day of the month. Or you can jump into a chronological reading plan. Or simply read two to three chapters Every day, starting in Matthew chapter 1. And by the end of these six weeks, you will have gone through all the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you say, I don't have time. Really? Let me help you. You could give up your evening TV time for the Word. What do you want? The temporal or the eternal? What do you want? Unuseful information or supernatural transformation? I don't have time. You could set your alarm for 30 minutes earlier for the word. See how? You don't have time, but you can make time. Or you could read the word together over breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I'm telling you, if there's anything that's changed my life, it's the word of God. And then the third thing I want you to notice is Jesus' temptation was meant to take him from one level to another level. Jesus' temptation was meant to take him from one level to another level. What do you mean, Pastor? If you read Matthew 4, 1, the Bible says again, then Jesus was led up. He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word led there in the Greek is anago. It means not only to lead up, but to lead or bring into a higher place. You've heard it, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard it said, new level, new devil. In other words, if you want to go up another level, you're going to have to be willing to face greater conflict. But here's the good news. No matter how great the conflict is, God is greater still. No matter how great the temptation is, God's power is greater still. No matter how great the enemy is, that's come against you God is greater still 
When the Spirit is leading, you'll go from a lower place to a higher place. And notice what Luke points out. In Luke 4, 1, he tells us that when Jesus went to be tempted, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit into the world. But in verse 14, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, what's the difference? When he went in, he went filled with the Spirit, under the control. He went filled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That benefited him. But after he came out of that temptation of 40 days and 40 nights against the devil and winning over the devil, now he kicked it up another gear. He went from being filled to now operating in the power of the Spirit. And why is that significant? Because now, when you step into the power of the Spirit, it's no longer about benefiting you. It's about being in position to bless others. Now, he could heal the sick. He could raise the dead. He could set the captive free because through that testing experience, he went from a lower place to a higher place. How many of you want God to kick it into a higher gear in your life? Then you're saying, God, I'm ready to be tested because I'm ready to go up. And I'm saying to you, you don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear temptation. You simply have to take hold of what's at your within your reach, the spirit of God's influence and the word of God in your heart, and you will prevail. I love the words of William Barclay. He said, temptation is not meant to make us fail. It is meant to confront us with a situation out of which we emerge stronger than we are. I'm saying to you today that if you are in the midst of a war, of of conflict, if you're in the midst of temptation, God didn't allow that to come to your life to make you fall. He intends for you to fly. God didn't allow that to come into your life because He meant for you to experience defeat. No, He means for you to experience what His Word says of you. You knowing that in Him, you are more than a conqueror. What does that mean? I can be hit once and I'll win. And I can be hit again and I'll win again. Because the one in me will never grow tired and weary. And He will continue to be faithful and true and help me to overcome. That's what God wants to do today. And so I want to encourage you here and those of you on live stream, make up your mind. I'm not going to become a victim. I'm going to be victorious through the Lord. And I'm going to trust him to help me to overcome temptation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have promised, Lord, that no matter what we are facing, we have the resources through your promise to overcome we have your spirit we have your word and there's nothing that we cannot overcome through you and i pray right now heavenly father your kingdom come your will be done we pray as jesus taught us to pray deliver us from the evil one lord your word says in second thessalonians 3 3 but the lord is faithful who shall establish you And keep you from the evil one. Today we just say yes to you. We give you our yes. We give you our surrender. Like Jesus, we choose to be filled with your spirit. We praise and worship. We will come under the influence, the control of your spirit. We will spend time in your word this week. Thank you that as we do with an open and receptive heart, your word will transform us from the inside out. And it will equip us to be able to overcome the lies 
of the father of lies. Your word will not only expose his lies, it will equip us to overcome his lies. I pray that for your sons and your daughters. Pray for those, God, that are watching on live stream who are in a season of attack. I pray right now, renew them by your spirit. Assure them, Lord, that if they'll call to you and look to you, you will be their strength. You will sustain them. You will watch over them. You're in the middle of a fight right now in your spiritual walk, child of God. You're not helpless. Call on the Lord right now. Call on him, Lord, I need your strength. Deliver me from the evil one. Give me strength to work your word. Give me strength to read your word. Give me strength to meditate on it, Lord. Change me.